Amen. You can grab a seat. Like I said, we're in the book of Proverbs. We are starting actually a pretty lengthy series in the book of Proverbs because there's so much good stuff there. We're going to be in there for the next few months. Um, but before we get there, um, many of you know that for the past seven plus weeks, we as elders and staff, and we even invited you as a church with us to fast and pray together. Um, raise your hand. Maybe don't raise your hand. Maybe, the Bible says don't tell everyone you're fasting. So that was a test. <laughs> and you passed. Um, So we fasted and prayed. Here's the reason why we made it seven weeks. Last Tuesday was the last day of the fast. And on Thursday, we had our elder um, retreat that we do, typically in January, but it got moved. And then we had our um, elder and staff planning day yesterday. And, And I wanted to just take a moment and share what God did and how God showed up in this season of fasting and praying. So first, thank you for joining us in this. We were fasting for God's provision of a a building of our own. Um, We've been fasting and praying for his will in a building. We've been fasting and praying around God redeeming the use of technology in this new season in which we feel like we're just trying to keep up. And and, and so we're we're so glad to serve those who who are here and and those who are joining online. Guys, did you know that there's people in our church who've never been to the Mission Church ever before in person, but they call the Mission church home because they are in a season where they found us online and 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 just still feel more comfortable in this uncertain time um just continuing to be a part of our church that way and so that can we just like praise god he works in mysterious ways amen so um let me start by saying this i shared with a pastor mentor of mine that we were going to be fasting and praying together as a church and i said we've never done this you know, can, can we expect anything? I'm a little nervous. And he said this. He said, when you fast and pray as a church, you can show up. You can expect that God will show up and act and speak. And, I'm, you know, when he told me something, I'm like, amen. And then he said, but he might act and speak in ways you weren't quite thinking. And then I thought, oh. And so... I want to just take you on a short little journey here. Five years ago, um, one of our elders, Sean and I, circled this building literally in prayer. Um, More times than we could count. It was about six o'clock in the morning. It was pouring down rain. This is five years ago. And and I was, you know, I've been praying for a church building of our own for quite some time. And so I said, Sean, what, you know, let's just, let's go circle and pray this. He's one of the elders at the time, still is. And so we circled this big old building in the pouring rain, praying for this building, praying for our church, praying for this city. Um, not knowing that we would not be able to go back to Hazen last summer and not knowing that this building would be opened to us. And it was literally the only option of about six or seven different things we reached out for. And so I just look back and go, okay, God, I was circling it for different reasons, but you know, but you know, isn't that amazing? You know that. 
And so as we've been here, we are so grateful for it. We're, we're excited for the opportunity to be in a place where we can have children's ministry as we um, had before. Um, and so we've been working with Hayes in high school. And, and about a month ago, um, I, we asked to see if we could extend our contract here at the Metropolitan Banquet Hall. We call it the MBH for short. Um, and uh, they, they said, actually, we cannot extend your contract because all the weddings that got canceled a year ago, they are now rebooked. We really have no Sundays open at all. And so we just felt like God just um, shut that door and shut it hard. And then, um, and then we were praying around Hazen, and I'd been, I would call them almost every week, and, hey, can we, can we come? Can we come? And he'd say, not yet. Call next week. Not yet. Call in two weeks. And, um, and about two weeks ago, they shared with us, hey, it looks like you're going to be able to come back sometime in the beginning of May. And so praying, okay, Lord, we're fasting and praying. Okay, Lord, you're providing, providing in unique ways here. And um, on last, early this week, there's so many things that happen behind the scenes, guys. The amount of phone calls and things that change is crazy. Um, we told, you can use Hazen, but there's a few guidelines that you might have to meet. And so we're looking through them and learning them and going, okay, we can do this. Okay, we can do this. And okay, we can do this. And we have an email ready to go out on Thursday to share with everyone. We're going to be meeting at Hazen on May 2nd. And then we got an email that was like a grenade kind of going off. It went, has that ever happened in your life for a year? Um, And so on Thursday, we get this email Half of the elders are, have showed up at the place we're doing our elder retreat. The other half are on their way, and we get an email, and they say, you can meet at Hazen, but here's a stipulation. Um, we have a COVID officer here, and, and, and they, they are saying that there's absolutely no singing for anybody, and we don't know the timeline on that. None. No, no worship leader, no nothing. And so you just, we've just come, and there's no place for worship And we just all just went, wow. Okay, God, this is not, this was, this, this was not, this is not what we had in mind. And I don't know if it was one of the elders that said this or the Holy Spirit. I mean, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And I'm just like a puddle of tears on the floor, literally, which is not that surprising. (laughs) And... And we just realized, what if God is shutting the door at Hazen, at least for this season, in the foreseeable future until things change? And, and so we went to bed that night, probably not sleeping well. I know I didn't. And we said, let's sleep on it. Let's pray about it tomorrow. And then let's share it with our staff and get their input. And we woke up and just said, okay, Lord. You've shut this door with the MBH. You've shut this door with Hazen. We longed to meet together. We, 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 we fasted and prayed. But he, here was just the grace. I just want to celebrate how good and faithful God is. One, he made this happen on an elder retreat. Like, this would have been disastrous if we didn't have the context. 
uh, and I would have crumbled because it was just so much stress. And just to have a group of men praying together and to bring in our incredible staff to talk about it. So I'm just praising God for his timing in this. And I praise God that we fasted and prayed for seven weeks. I, I told our elders, I said, if we wouldn't have fasted and prayed, all of this stuff that would have happened... I would have probably thought, well, we should have fasted and prayed for what we should have done, and this wouldn't have happened. And so here's where we landed as, as a group of elders and as staff. We made these decisions together, and we, we, I don't say this lightly, and I almost never say this, but we really feel like this is from the Lord. One, we feel a bit like Abraham where God says to Abraham, hey, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to others and I'm going to lead you in, into this, this promised land. And Abraham says, okay, what do I need to do? And God says, you need to leave everything. I'm shutting all the doors that you know and you need to start heading to this promised land. And, and Abraham says, okay, I'm in, I'm going, I'll leave it all behind. All the doors are shut. Where do I go? And, and God, remember what God says to Abraham? Oh, I'm not telling you. I'm just asking you to trust me. I've never been in a situation like this where I feel like I've got to trust God so much. And so here's what we feel like God is leading us into. Four things. One is that with all of these doors shut, we just feel like God's saying for the month of May, instead of trying to run here and there, trying to figure things out, let's go and let's be, let's go back to church online. And, and if there's any part of you in, inside that is grieving, I am grieving too. But I'm also rejoicing because I really feel like this is from the Lord. And so we're going to go back to church online for the month of May. We are going to have next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. You can already register. We are going to have an all-church prayer Zoom meeting. Five, four, just say it out loud. Eight o'clock. Thank you, guys. Proverbs says something about wise counselors. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Next Sunday, we are coming together and we are going to pray and, and give you an opportunity to ask questions, present any ideas that, that you might have too, um, but really just come to pray. We want you to join us with that. Sometime in the middle end of May, either the 16th or the 23rd, we're already reaching out to other churches in the area, but we are looking to have a, an evening of worship and prayer together as a church in light of only being able to meet online. The biggest blow that is is the opportunity for us to come together for those who are comfortable. And so um, we are going to have something in the late afternoon or early evening um, of worship and in prayer and fellowship. And so um, there's more details to come on that. Um, and then this last piece, and this was, this was a big one for our staff, is we feel like God's saying it's time to double down on fasting and praying. Continue to fast, continue to pray for the month of May. Um, as we are fasting and praying, listen, we feel like God's just asking us to trust him. We don't see this as the permanent plan here at all. Um, as much as just that place where God's saying, trust me and walk with me and, and, and pray. Um, 
And we're inviting you to fast and pray with us. We're going to fast and pray every Wednesday. Um, And in the meantime, we are already exploring options um, for places that we can meet in person in June and, and so forth. And so we're, we're casting that line out in a different, several different places. And we'll share more information as that comes in for us. And so um, I asked one of our staff members yesterday, how are you feeling? And, and she said, I'm, I'm like this. I'm, I'm grieving, but yet I know like God's in this. And and that's what I feel like Paul has this line where he says, I am all I have so much sorrow, but yet I'm rejoicing. And so, church, this has been a roller coaster, has it not? It's, it's been a roller coaster and we're a unique roller coaster because we're a mobile church, but God has used it. And I I'm asking as your pastor and really pleading with you um, Would you join us in trusting God in this? Would you join us in fasting and praying with us as as we trust that God is going to reveal his wisdom, his will, and his provision? Um, But would you join me in this? And, and And as much sorrow as I have, I also have this excitement because I know that God is in this and doing something through this. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to pray and then we'll jump into the book of Proverbs, which happens to be about wisdom in, in hearing wisdom from the Lord. And amen. Do we need it? I know I need it. If you don't need it, pray for me because I need it abundantly. Gracious Father, we thank you. You are good. We thank you that you are loving. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you have showed yourself in all of those character traits for the history of our church. And this is a unique season of time where, Lord, you just shut doors and shut doors and shut more doors. And, Lord, we are looking to you to open your door. And so would you open our eyes to see what you are doing? Would you open up our eyes to see what you are providing? Would you strengthen our faith as we put faith in you? And Lord, we pray and we trust that you will use this for your glory and our good. And everybody said, amen. I thought about rewriting the sermon to fit the context of our situation. And then I realized that this sermon perfectly fits our situation. It's on Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs for at least three months. We're going to spend a huge chunk of time in Proverbs 1 through 9. Those nine chapters. And here's why. I don't know if you know this, but the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs are actually an introduction to the Proverbs. Now, you can kind of see this. Um, If you look at the first nine chapters in your Bible, you'll notice that there's all of these section breaks. And it's because it's one little miniature introduction to the book of Proverbs. 
after another. Just several little introductions. And in the first nine chapters, it, it tells us what wisdom is. It tells where we get wisdom. It tells us um, the value of wisdom. It tells us all of these different things about wisdom. And then when you turn to chapter 10, and if you just flip through chapter 10 all the way through basically chapter 22, there is not one single break. Because it's one little proverb after another, after another, after another. And so um, the first nine chapters are an introduction to the book of Proverbs. The rest of the passages are like these thematic, topical proverbs. And, and, and sometimes there's like three in a row that are related. And then there's other times where there's a proverb on money. And then there's a proverb on adultery. And then there's a proverb on parenting. And then there's a proverb on friendship. And, and you're like, how do these go together? They don't. They're just sprinkling wisdom. And so we're going to spend the last half of this sermon series just talking about the different topical proverbs. Like what Proverbs has to say about marriage. What Proverbs has to to say about parenting, what Proverbs has to say about work, about money, and so on and so forth. Today's sermon has a few parts. Let me just outline it for you. Number one, the author. Number two, it tells us what wisdom is according to Proverbs. Um, and then it tells you how we get it, where we get it, and how we get it. So the author, what wisdom is, what wisdom does and how we get it. So I'm going to read the first seven verses. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of King, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. Raise your hand if you need some wisdom. Just raise it high. Came to the right place. To understand words of insight. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The book of Proverbs starts with the author. It wants us to know who the author is. This is foundational to understanding the book of Proverbs. And what does it say? The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon becomes the wisest man on earth. Not just in his time, but forevermore until Jesus shows up. And if you, if you wonder or if you question how wise Solomon really is, just read the book of Proverbs. And you will be just completely blown away how wise he is. But, he, but here's the important question. Where did Solomon get his wisdom? How did Solomon become wise? Solomon introduces himself for a very specific purpose. He wants people to know not just that he's the author, but he wants people to be reminded of the backstory of his own wisdom. And so how did Solomon become as wise as he is? Look at 1 Kings chapter 3. It says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon 
in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You've shown great and steadfast love towards your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made made your servant king in place of, my, of David, my father, although I am but a little child. Any children in this place? Children? Children? Any of you feel like maybe you are a child when it comes to your wisdom? This is Solomon. And I want you to notice this. Solomon says to God, I've just become king. I'm a teenager. And I, I need help. I don't know how to lead. I don't know how to guide. I need help. You have to see that here. Is Solomon born wise? No. Not even close. He knows that he needs wisdom. That, that'll come into play at the end here. And, and what does he say? He says, And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I'm but a little child. I do not know. I don't know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Here's what I want, Lord. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this This, your great people. And I love this. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. It pleased God that he asked for wisdom. James 1, 5. Do you know this verse? Any of you who lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. He asked God, and and it says it pleased God that Solomon asked for this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Circle that word now. I now, right here, right now. I now do according to you, or behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. Where is the source of Solomon's wisdom? Where is it? God. It's from God. The book of Proverbs is built on that foundation. Wisdom is from God. You want wisdom? There's a way. It's through God. It's through God. So Solomon is our author, and he tells us quite plainly that it is from God, his wisdom, all wisdom. Now look at verse 2. Verse 2 begins to tell us the the definition of wisdom. And, and, and if you notice, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, um, it lists several different synonyms for wisdom. 
And we see the first set of synonyms of wisdom here in verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Now, every single commentary I read on the book of Proverbs says this about the definition of wisdom in Proverbs. They say something along these lines. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom is like a diamond. A diamond's got multiple faces on it, facets facets to it. That make up the whole. And wisdom is just like that. And that's why we get all of these synonyms to start the book of Proverbs. Solomon is giving us a definition of wisdom by telling us all the different facets and sides to it. So wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is not just being smart. Wisdom is not just being fill in the blank. It is the sum of several different parts. And, and so I'll just point out um, four Words, phrases that Solomon uses that I think give us a clear definition of what wisdom is. To know wisdom and instruction. See how he combines wisdom, instruction. That word instruction, in the Hebrew it's musar. Everybody say musar. Musar. Now say it with some authority. Musar. Now, this word literally means training or discipline. Solomon begins his definition of wisdom with saying wisdom has to do with discipline. Wisdom is it's 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 discipline. So wisdom is not merely knowing what's right to do. It's it's having the discipline to do it. Wisdom is discipline. I I, I wrote this in my notes. Wisdom is not just knowing, and then I put a blank there. Write that down. Wisdom is not just knowing, and then, then put a blank there. And maybe you might say, wisdom is not just knowing I should eat healthier. And the last part is, it's possessing the discipline to do it. Wisdom is not just knowing I should pray. It's having the discipline to do it. Wisdom is not just knowing I should be honest in work. It's having the discipline to do it. Wisdom is not just knowing and then fill in the blank of that really hard thing that you're struggling with in this season. And then finish with this. It's having, it's possessing the discipline to do it. Wisdom is discipline. Wisdom is doing the hard thing when it's the right thing. How about this quote? This was sent to me sometime a while back, um, and I found it back online. It says this. Divorce is hard. Marriage is hard. Choose the right hard. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose the right hard. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose the right hard. Not communicating is hard. Communicating is hard. Choose the right hard. And then I added this one. Not following God's will is hard. Trusting God's will is hard. Choose the right hard. Wisdom Wisdom, wisdom. It's not just knowing what's hard. It's choosing to have the discipline to do the right hard. Wisdom is discipline. And isn't it interesting that Solomon starts with this 
little facet of wisdom. He says, before we talk about the knowledge piece, let's talk about the discipline piece. Verse 3, it says, to receive, excuse me, the end of verse 2, to understand words of insight. Now, um, this Hebrew word for insight is binah. And it literally means to discern the deeper sense of something. That this is someone who, who doesn't just see the facts of a situation, but they have the insight to discern what they mean. So I'm, I'm, I'm having coffee with my dad. My dad lives um, over in Cleelm, and that's where we did our elder retreat. And so I had coffee with breakfast with my dad on Thursday. And um, I was just I was sharing with him everything that was going, going on in our church and all of this moving information that, that, that we've received throughout this season of fasting and praying and how God was closing doors and then God was creaking some doors open and then closing these doors. And I said something to the effect of like dad like god just seems to like i really want god to just go okay here's the next five years go that'd be nice and i feel like god is like literally only letting us see a half a step ahead and i was about ready to you know share how much and how difficult that is and he stopped me and said in his wisdom, in his insight, he took all the facts of what I shared and he stopped me and said, Zach, isn't that exactly what God does? Didn't he do that with Abraham? Didn't he do that with Moses? Didn't he say, only get manna for the day. Don't get it for two days. Didn't he do that with David, anoints him as king and says, oh yeah, but you're going to have to wait a decade or so. That's insight. Wisdom is insight, the insight to see all of the facts of the situation and understand what God is doing in the midst of it. Verse 3, it says to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So, so wisdom is discipline, wisdom is insight, wisdom is wise dealing, but notice, wise dealing in what? In righteousness, justice, equity. That is to say, wisdom has deep character. That, that, that is a, at the heart of the definition of wisdom. Wisdom has deep character. In the book of Proverbs, you will notice that the wicked are fools, but the righteous are wise. And then look at verse 4. To give prudence. Everybody say prudence. Prudence. Now, this Hebrew word for prudence is orma, meaning it literally means strategic. The prudent turns goals into reality. Wisdom is insight, but prudence has to do with foresight. Insight looks at the facts and figures out what the problem is. Prudence has foresight and figures out how to turn that problem into a solution. And so you have one proverb in Proverbs 14, 15 that says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. And so let's just put all four of these together. 
And, and I'll, I'll, I'll put them in a different order in which they build off on each other. The first one is this. Wisdom is insight. Takes all the things that are going on, funnels them down to tell you what the problem, what the issue, what the heart of the matter is. But wisdom is not just insight. Wisdom is foresight. Wisdom sees the problem and is able to build the steps to get to the solution. But it's one thing to have insight. It's another to have foresight. The next level is what? you got to have discipline and deep character to walk all these things through. So, so do you see wisdom in the book of Proverbs? It's not just being smart. It's not just having experience. It's having insight. It's having foresight. It's having discipline and deep character. This is Solomon's definition of wisdom. Look at verse 5 here. This tells us what wisdom does. What wisdom does. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Did you catch that? Let the wise hear and increase in learning. What does wisdom do? Here's what wisdom does. Wisdom keeps growing in wisdom. Wisdom keeps growing in wisdom. You never arrive. The person who thinks they've arrived at wisdom is not wise. I read this in a book. Um, It says, Pablo Casales, he was this famous Spanish um, um, cello player, and he lived to 97 years of age. Um, And when he reached the age of 95, so just imagine this 95-year-old man in your mind, a young reporter um, asked him a question, Mr. Casales, you are 95. You are the greatest cellist player ever to live. Why do you still practice six hours a day? Do you know what his answer was? Because I think I'm making progress. In the book of Proverbs, it'll tell you that wisdom realizes there's always more wisdom needed. Now, how how do we get it? How do we get it? The next nine chapters tell us how we get it. And the answer's long, but verse 7... As one commentary put it, verse 7 is like the bottom line of the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. And it tells us how we get wisdom. How do we get it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. How do we get wisdom? Do you remember Solomon? Do you remember back in the story? God says, ask whatever you want. And Solomon, what what does Solomon do? I know nothing. And there's this sense of, of fear, fearing the Lord. Now that word fear, we can use it in a negative sense in which of being scared, being afraid. And there are certain places in scripture where that is very, very true. Where fear is being afraid, it's being scared. But whenever it speaks about the fear of the Lord, it's not being scared or nervous of the Lord as much as it's this picture of Solomon going, Oh Lord, oh Lord, I need you. This sense of awe, this, this sense of wonder. 
This sense of reverence. This sense of humility. We'll get here in a few weeks, but probably the best way to define what the fear of the Lord is at its most basic sense, because this is the key to getting wisdom, is the fear of the Lord. But what does the fear of the Lord look like? If I could tell you in one sentence, I would just quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is what it looks like to fear the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. If the fear of the Lord is the key to growing in wisdom, what does the fear of the Lord look like? Well, it starts with trust. This Hebrew word trust, it has this idea of being on your face. On your face. Humbled, surrendered, going, I can't, I need you. And lean not on your own understanding. This is why I think this sermon is so fitting for the season we are in as a church. I just, I, I just, during the elders retreat and I'm just going, Lord, You are forcing me to trust you in a way I've never trusted you before. And I fear you. But here's the beauty of the gospel, guys. Here's here's the beauty of the gospel. It's one thing for an authority figure to come to you and say, you better trust me. You don't, you don't have understanding. Stop leaning on your understanding and just trust me. It's, it's one thing to have an authority figure do that. And we have authority figures around us that do that or figures of authority around the world that do that. Say, I'm demanding you to trust me. Stop leaning on your understanding and go my way. God is not like that, is he? God says, trust me. Trust that I am for you and not against you. Trust that my way is a good way. Trust that your understanding has its limits and has its lid. And God's understanding and wisdom is so far beyond that. And the beauty of the gospel is not only does God tell us to trust him, ask us to trust him, but gives us the ultimate picture of why we can trust him. We have a God who sent his son, Jesus Christ. And he laid down his life on the cross for us to save us of our sin, of our brokenness. And then he rose from the dead, conquering death. He gives us his Holy Spirit, which lives in us and says, okay, trust me. And it's a beautiful thing, friends, that... That the fear of the Lord is anchored in the gospel. The fear of the Lord is anchored in Christ laying down his life for us. And so we've, we've seen what wisdom is. It's insight. It's foresight. It's discipline. It's deep character. 
We've seen what wisdom does. It keeps growing in wisdom. But here's where we need to anchor ourselves. That wisdom begins with us on our knees saying, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I I trust you. Lord, you are the source of wisdom. Your will is greater than my will. I trust you. And I acknowledge you in all of my ways. May we live there, trusting the Lord in his will, in his way, in his wisdom, in a season that is tremendously uncertain. God is for you, not against you. Let's fear him on our knees, knowing he's taking us to a place that is far greater than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's pray. Gracious Father, We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you display your goodness by sending your son, Jesus, to die for us, to save us, to draw us into a relationship with you. Lord, this is an uncertain season for us as a church, but you have led us into this season as we have fasted and prayed. I thank you that we can anchor ourselves in your word. I thank you that we can anchor ourselves in your promises. I thank you that we can see these closed doors as closed doors from you. I thank you that what you have for us ahead is far greater than we could ever ask or imagine. And you get to determine what that is. And so, Lord, I personally pray that I would fear you because that's where wisdom begins. That I would excitingly, joyfully live my life on my knees, praying and even proclaiming, God, I trust you. Your way, not my way. Your will, not my will. Your wisdom, not my wisdom. And Lord, may we all do that. Live in the fear of the Lord. Live on our knees, trusting you and leaning not on our own understanding. We look to you, Jesus, and we love you, Jesus. Amen.